0: If this is the best God can do, I am not impressed. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to the Out of Limits of Inner Tooth Radio Show. Outoflimitsradio.com. I'm your host Ryan. Tonight, our featured guest is going to talk about how to grow the tree of liberty. And lately, you've probably seen a trend on our show where we're talking a lot more about freedom. There's a reason, because I think there's so much tyranny out there that we have to, you know, put up a stand. And I know some people are saying, ah, oh, you know, we have to have the mass awakening. The masses need to be mobilized and need to be awakened. I'm not worried about the masses at all. I think that there are a handful of people, a small number of people that are passionate, that are willing to take action. They're willing to go stronger, and those are the people that I'm reaching out to. Those are the people who I want to connect with and meet with and grow with because I think it's the small number of people throughout history, the resilient ones, the strong ones, the true warriors. They're the ones that change things. They're the ones that will take humanity into the darkness or out of the darkness, and I'm really counting on those small number of people in humanity right now to pull us out of the darkness, to pull us into the light because I actually believe in the uh, the will of the people that truly want freedom. I know that you, you heard me before talking about saying that the world's going to a dark place. Yeah, I think so, but I also, now more than ever, believe in the power and the will and the motivation of the, the, the small number of people that really want this, and I think we could do it. So you'll hear more shows that will be talking about freedom and what we can do to take more actions to uh, have more liberty. But our featured guest, there's something interesting about him, is I I sense that he's going to be someone really important in the future and it's happening right now he doesn't even probably realize it but he's a well spoken for individual he's also a prolific writer and he is the exact type of person that I think we need to keep this movement going to keep freedom going he's one of those people that are really out there doing it and he doesn't even realize it because he's so humble but I do think that this gentleman is going to become a well-known author a well-known speaker in the future, and people years from now are going to look back at the shows and hear that we had them on. So let us begin tonight's program. Welcome you back to the program is Mr. Chris Rossini, he's the editor and he's also a co-host on Friday of the Ron Paul Liberty Report, he also works for the Ron Paul Institute. Mr. Rossini, welcome back to the program sir, how are you? Ryan, it's great to be back, thank you for having me on again. Thank you. One of the reasons why we're having Chris back on, aside from the fact that he is pure charisma, is that when you go to the RonPaulLibertyReport.com every week, Chris will write another perspective on liberty. And you can just tell that he'll take various topics and he'll put it together in a way that's easy to understand. But I also think that the articles are embedded with you know little cues to kind of get you to take some action because I don't think we've ever had a point in our American history where we have ever had this much assault on a liberty. It's happening on a regular basis, and I don't know. Some people are into it. Some people don't really care. Mr. Razzini, what is your perspective about the state of liberty in the U.S.? Are you alarmed, concerned? Do you think that there's hope that we're going to turn things around? Are we just kind of headling, heading down a road that uh, it's hard to come out of? Uh, yes,
1: uh- Well, there's two perspectives that I take. One is long term and one is short term. In the long term, I am uh, very optimistic about liberty because I believe that liberty is a natural condition of our life and that that cannot be changed. We can suffer plenty of tyranny. There's no doubt about that. And humans have definitely proved that, Uh, you know, anybody, any student of history will know that. However, liberty is never completely wiped out. It's always, you know, empires come and go, but in the rubble, there are always free individuals that have to start all over again. So I don't believe that we're going into rubble in the United States, but I do believe that we are in a long-term downturn. You know, the American Revolution, uh, our, our ancestors, they shook the world with their ideas and the world uh, has never been the same since. But there's always pushback. There's counter-revolutions, the old world ideas that uh, you know, want to reassert themselves. And they obviously have up to a point. So uh, you know, as far as American liberty, no. We, ha- we are suffering much worse than uh, the American colonists <laughs> under King George III. He was a sweetheart <laughs> compared to what we have today. They, you know, if, if you told our early Americans about what we have, we have the biggest government on earth, they would, they wouldn't believe it. They, this is the land of liberty. Why, why, why would you ever have the biggest government on earth? What happened? Where where did it go wrong? So we definitely uh, are suffering worse, uh, you know, conditions or not conditions on are worse laws, I would say. But, you know, over time, because of that American revolution and the American psyche, they built up so much capital over those, you know,
0: couple hundred years that we're still able to live very good lives despite the government. What do you think it is that is preventing that spark of Liberty from completely, you know, becoming an inferno? Because I don't know, I don't understand Chris. I love Liberty. When I think about freedom and Liberty, I, love it. I love it as much as I lust for it. I think it's the most amazing, most beautiful thing in the world, and I just want to expand it. I mean, I figure that at this point in time in American history, we would have had a culture of people that would have expanded upon the Constitution, that would have figured out more ways to to provide liberty to more people, that we would have expanded on these ideas, and I feel like we're retracting, but I don't understand why there's... I don't know. It seems like we're heading towards a tyrannical uh, regime where... Now people want to police thoughts. They don't, want to, they don't even want to be offended. They're, they're afraid that if you upset someone, they want to have these hate speech laws. So I don't understand why there's that move in that direction and why that passion for liberty has, has not completely taken hold, at least right now. Well, if you think about you know, what happened in,
1: with uh, the early Americans, they really were like a diamond in the rough. You, you, you have thousands and tens of thousands of years of tyranny. So just because these guys were right doesn't mean that the whole world is going to change all of a sudden. It's going to take a long time, well beyond our lifetimes. You know, so think about like uh, I, I think of it this way. Think about like China and how it views Taiwan, Hong Kong. You know, when they think of it as its own. So the old world, you know, people across the ocean, they they this was a uh, you know, like a slap in their face. This is, this is not how life is supposed to be. You're supposed to bow down to your ruler and you live the life that uh, has been assigned to you. Whereas the Americans changed that dynamic, but they didn't change it in a vacuum. They didn't change it in the Garden of Eden. They changed it in a world that was suffering under tyranny for thousands of years. So this is a long-term struggle. And as far as, uh, you know, where we are today, People get comfortable with tyranny and the tyrants know that. They know how to buy you off. They know that you'll take welfare. They know that you'll take their regulations. They know that you'll take their uh, promises of safety and security. So they just they inch away over, over time, over time, and 200 and some years later you find out, yeah, now they're starting to, uh, to police thoughts. But like I said, you can only take this to a point. Eventually they will run out of money they are they do not have unlimited resources and you know at that point you know it'll
0: be time to change again all right can a tyrannical type government really only thrive under a fiat based monetary system is the monetary system the f- fundamental key to suppressing people or is it uh, something more than that
1: oh absolutely that's, that is the, I, I, the fiat money I call the beating heart of tyranny because with sound money, we have a say in what happens. with it. Can you imagine if we got bills in the mail for the Iraq war, for the <laughs> Afghanistan? I mean people Jeez. would – yeah, there would be <laughs> – who knows what the reaction would be, but it would be very bad, and the government knows that. So the bills don't come in the mail. The bills come by them printing money, and they can print as much as they want because they made a monopoly for the Federal Reserve, and, and that's what it was created for, not only to protect the bankers so that they can bail themselves out, which is what they do, the major banks, they'll let little banks go by, uh, but to fund the government. They gave them, okay, you have this monopoly to create money, now you're going to buy our debt, and the Fed uh, buys the debt. The money goes to the government, and they can do all the warfare and welfare that they want. If they were constrained by gold, silver, precious metals that has been money for thousands of years, they would not have this power. They, they, they can't counterfeit gold and silver, and that's why they hate it with such a passion and don't even want people to ever think of gold and silver as money. Because the moment you do, that will put the brakes on big government right away, and they definitely don't want that.
0: You and Dr. Paul, I love how you and Dr. Paul you know, engage one another, and then you, you often talk about what's probably going to be the the, the the worst crash in history, which we've talked a lot about in our program. So I know you. a lot of times you're discussing it from the perspective of an individual within a country that's going to experience it, but if you are part of the elite ruling class, what strategies do you think that they have? Do you think they're aware that this thing is going to happen? Do you think they're planning a few next steps? You think they'll do whatever they can to stay in power? And if you were part of the elite, what would you do if you knew that this was coming in order to hold on to your power? What next steps would you take?
1: Uh, well, yes. Oftentimes, I think it's a mixed bag. You know, sometimes the uh, the elitists are totally they totally believe their nonsense, and they go down with the ship. But there are others that are well aware. There was a, a man named John Law in in France who, who was a big central banker. And from what I understand, you know, they chased him out of the country and when they found him, he was uh, you know, with all these gold and silver coins. So they know where the real money is. They and they protect themselves. So they'll own the gold, they'll own the silver, and everything goes if everything goes down, they at least have it. From what I understand. Uh, Either Warren Buffett on silver mines, or he did at one point. They they know. They just deal with the system as it is, and they capitalize on it at everybody else's expense. Um, it's power. That they. It's pretty predictable what they they do. They get violent. Number one, they want to control. They want to uh, control what you say. What you you're not allowed to say anything against them. Obviously, we haven't reached that extreme point here. But you know, if history is a guide, that'll come here too. And you could see that it's already on the edges with social media, with Google, with YouTube. They're already clamping down on what can be said, what a person is allowed to see, what's, you know. So now can they ultimately see, succeed in this? No, I, I'm a big believer in life and the power of life and it always finds a way through this nonsense. But like I said, some will be prepared and some will just go down with the ship.
0: And if you look at America today, despite the fact that, you know, we're seeing all these things happening where we see, you know, the repression of, of civil liberties and repression of freedom, do you see any qualities within the people of the United States that would say, Okay, you know what, maybe you don't recognize this right now, but this could be a strength. This could be a potential asset if the country were to ever once again assert itself and demand freedom. Are there any qualities that we consider to be, you know, lame or disturbing or weird right now that may actually turn out to be a valuable asset or a valuable quality for a civilization or population that wants to reclaim its liberty?
1: Um, where I see, where I'm very optimistic is on with the internet and how it, they caught on and it really decentralized life and continues to do so down to the minutest, weirdest Thing you could think of, people are able to form whatever community they want. They find other people with whatever whatever weird habits they have. They can find them and and get together. You know, so the fact that we're able to do that because tyranny thrives on keeping people isolated. You know, if you think of like a North Korea, or, or you know, they control what people see, what people think, what people do. And, and all governments want that. You, you know, right away, when the internet was starting to take off, Hillary, was, uh, Hillary Clinton was already complaining that there's no gatekeepers. We can't let anybody uh, think what they want and, and be able to communicate to other people who other people give them other ideas. And you know, they used the 2016 election. People didn't vote the, the way that they were supposed to. So now that they're they're doing their damnedest to make sure it doesn't happen again, and the you know the social media this time around is going to be a lot different than social media in 2016. They're policing it like you know to all, make sure only the acceptable line is is there. So as long as the internet survives somehow, or a different one comes around, or whatever, I think people have a much better chance than you know the U.S. government itself had people you know, trained prior to the internet with the government schools and the media. It was just, no matter where you looked, you got the official line. You weren't going to get it any, get anything else. The internet changes that. And that's a big
0: game changer when it comes to liberty. When it comes to liberty, what are you more concerned about? Are you more concerned about a, a, a government at presenting tyranny upon the people or the tyranny of big tech where you know, they're not bound by any laws. Not to say that the government officials actually follow the, the own rule of laws to begin with, but because you're in a tech industry, you can say, oh, well, you know, this is a private industry. And, you know, are you more worried about them imposing their, their tyranny upon us? Because I, I look at China and I see the social credit rating system where apparently if you jaywalk, they put your – face up on a screen and, and you can't do certain things and you can only play video games a certain hours a day now i just discovered this really cool game and i'm like no i need a lot more time with this and i can't imagine i can imagine them mm-hmm. saying no you're only allowed to to play a few hours a day so i wonder if we're heading towards a, a social credit rating system and we'll get the tyranny through the big tech as opposed to the flat out government directly
1: uh it's easy to see that and predict the straight line to that happening i don't know First of all, I think for sure it's being attempted in China first, and for sure you know that the tech companies here are are licking their chops, but there's an American spirit here that was never in China. So you're dealing with two different types of people, cultures, beliefs on the relation between power and the individual. Uh, it's, It's different here than in China. So... But the, the way unfortunately that we have to look at the tech companies today is not as private uh, companies, as much as we would like for that to be the case. They are basically arms of the state. Even though it's not official on a piece of paper saying, Okay, the government owns Twitter or YouTube. No. But they they have ways around you know, making official proclamations to make it a virtual arm of the state de facto. So that's how we have to to look at them. That's not how they were presented. I remember when Twitter first came out. I joined it in 2007, I believe, and it was amazing. But what it is in 2019 is absolutely different than uh, than what it was when it first came out. Same thing with Facebook. What a great thing! We we uh, for at least a, a few years there, we were able to meet up with people, and now they destroyed it. It's it's totally useless. Who even wants to use it anymore? Because the state, as Ringo Starr says, everything it touches, it turns to crap. And right. you know, there was all of these people that were on these networks. That's, the state salivates at stuff like that. That's, and right now, they're basically like arms of the state. Um, I, I, don't, you know, I don't think tech tyranny will succeed because you, you still run into the problem of central planners. They do not have enough information to centrally plan. It's impossible to know what a person is going to value from one second to the next. Uh, so it won't succeed. Can they make life miserable? Absolutely. But uh, ultimately, liberty will
0: uh, will, uh, will win that fight. All right. I want to ask you, when it comes to the pure, I mean, we talked about the fiat-based monetary system as the beating heart of some of the tyranny or a lot of the tyranny. But do you also think it has something to do with the belief in authority? This gentleman, we've, um, I've read his books, and Larkin Rose talks about the most dangerous superstition. He says authority is the most dangerous superstition, the idea that an individual could be above you in some capacity. And mm-hmm. alluding to that is do you think that right now because we currently have a monetary system that works because the the, the financial system is still working – that it is the belief in the, in the financial system, it is the belief that the government officials seem to know what they're doing that is maintaining the illusion of their power. Do you think that if and when we have that major crash and that, uh, that power is questioned and the capability of the government to do what they say is questioned, that that in turn will actually pull a lot of its power away, at least the power that was given to it on behalf of the people? Yes, um, I do believe that uh,
1: authority is what the government's all about. And that's that's why the number one thing that they want, we talk about fiat money. Well, this may be just as important as control of the schools, uh, because that's where they drill you into, uh, into uh, respecting authority. And that has nothing to do with respecting people in general. It's just, we're, we're telling you this is the expert and this is who you're going to listen to, period. And so it starts there. And schools were modeled, uh, for people that know this, uh, after, you know, that was started uh, by the Prussian military. They suffered a defeat and they, they uh, well, I won't go into that story, but it's, it's based on militarist principles with bells and, and collectivism. So that's where the authority begins. And they want to keep it that way. And that's what they want with, uh, you'll see, with global warming. It's expert in this scientist, an expert. And you're supposed to, whenever you hear the word scientist, it's like the word of God. Like, scientists can't be wrong. I mean, but that's what you're supposed to think. Oh, well, the scientist says this. (laughs) Well, you know, it may be a little bit deeper than that. Who is this scientist? And what's their connection to the government? So, you know, but that's the way that you're supposed to think. But in reality, we're individuals a- able to think on our own. And that's why they do this, because it's, they're trying to corral individuals from seeing the powers that they have on their own, to make their own judgments, to make their own decisions. Even if your decisions are wrong, you can learn from it. But, you know, in order to have this collective thing, you're supposed to uh, put your individuality aside. And just listen to what they call the quote-unquote experts, and uh, everything will be fine,
0: so they say. When it comes to global warming, I I don't know. I mean, I, I question it a lot. And like, well, don't you believe in climate change? I think that humans are having an impact on the planet. And I've also been – I think it was Harry Dent Jr. who came on our show and he said that he's really mm-hmm. concerned about the sunspots, and that he alluded to the idea that we're going actually into a mini ice age. So he says that all this idea that, you know, the the, the, the elites and some of the media want you to pre- want you to believe it's one thing, but I, I imagine that we're having some kind of impact on our planet. Mm-hmm. But um, going back to what you just said about the government schools, it seems it's really weird in our country that a lot of people have seem to be really get really passionate about socialism, and I don't understand why they would do that. I know the idea is, okay, well, you know, we're all going to work together. We're all going to take care of one another. But then every single regime that had socialism, every country that had socialism, millions of people were killed. And Venezuela well as a living example of socialism happening. And it's right in front of us and anyone can see it and they still want it. So I want to ask you, what is... What's wrong? What, what, what's wrong with people? How do how they not able to understand this and see this? I mean, you can literally look any any history book and see what happens in socialism, and it's right there. It's like the worst thing. I, I don't know. I, 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 can't, I can't figure out why people can't see this. I don't know. What's your perspective on this?
1: No, I, I sympathize 100% with that. I had uh, my grandparents, my, my, uh, one of my grandpa- both of my grandparents on one side, they were in Poland. I know all the stories of communism and Nazism, which is, you know, another form of socialism. And to think that after all that, that they went through, and uh, and after all the hundreds of millions that died at the hands of their own governments, not even in war. I mean, you could say, okay, it was war. This is just, they died at the hands of their governments, hundreds of millions of them, in peacetime, just existing. And, you know, after all that, that they could just try to pretend that that never existed. it wasn't that long ago. It was, you know, a lifetime ago. That's nothing. But that just shows the power of how uh, of the media that's totally controlled. Obviously, everybody knows that now after Trump and and the schooling systems that you could you could whitewash away. And, you know, there's all these excuses that, oh, they did it wrong. You do socialism this way. No, they did it. They did it uh, the way that it's, it's uh, supposed to be, I guess, with, with uh, uh, the state taking over the means of production and even not taking over the means of production, but leaving the means of production in name only as private property, which is what the Nazis and the fascists did. It, it all turned out to be disaster. But, uh, you know, th- there's these human emotions of envy, this um, people do not some people can't handle other people doing uh better than them uh, economically they think that there should be economic equality which is an absolute impossibility and uh you know if you want it go look at what cambodia was like when there was uh the the, the um oh, I forget their name now but the communists were there that's you, you get equal health when you have equality so you know these are tough Human tendencies that we're up against, uh, but we, our job is just to convince people that look, you're not going to have this fictional equality, no matter how much you desire it, nor should it be even desired. You're an individual. You're you're different than everybody else. Why the heck would you want, you know, everybody to be a carbon copy? Uh, so, you know, that's what we're up against. It's it's a definitely a tough
0: battle. Seems like a very simple moral value, which I, I figured that with all the institutions that are out there, that, 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 that something that that value would be taught repeatedly. I just don't understand, you know, why it's not presented more often, why people don't seem to grasp it. And, and when it comes to, I know we seem to live in a culture where everyone's afraid. Everyone's talking about, you know, we need this person to keep us safe. We need to surrender more liberty to keep us safe. And I, I just can't stand it. I can't stand the idea that so many mm-hmm. people walk around being afraid because you know what? No one escapes death. No one gets out of this world alive, mm-hmm. and I I don't understand if, uh, from your perspective, do you think that people are more afraid to experience true freedom, or are they more afraid to lose what they know, their comforts of what they know? Do you think that that the fear is the driving force behind where we're going?
1: It's both, for sure. People are afraid. Number one, most do not understand their freedom, and I get that. I didn't until I learned about it. So you can't hold that against people. And there's, uh, you know, a fear of responsibility for you. It's so much easier to just blame somebody else than to take responsibility for your life. I mean, and, and what you think and what you believe, it's just so it's just easier. You could just pass it off. And politicians, because they want power, would love for you to pass it off to them because they'll they'll take every penny you have. They'll put your life in danger. They'll try to control your life. Pass off your responsibility to them. They'll take it. And, you know, look at, we're, we talked about it on the show today, how Obama's worth like $40 million. million. <laughs> how wonderful. What a public servant that he's now, you know? So they like it. They they like the fact that people will not be responsible for themselves because it's a road to riches for them. And they never have to worry. Everything is, you know, they get to live a life of luxury uh, because, because uh, you know, others would not, Uh, Take care, or believe in themselves. And you know, on our side, we're not okay with that. We want to at least tell people, look, you have freedom. You're responsible for your life. These people, the promises they make, they'll just keep making them your entire life, from when you're born until you die, and they'll never follow through on any of them because it's impossible. But you know, that's that's a tough argument. But even if we reach a critical minority that's, that's, uh, that's worth it. And just knowing that you're doing a good thing is worth it.
0: Are you able to present a visualization, a visualization of what a true free society looks like? So say for example, right now, we turn back the clock, maybe a hundred, 150 years ago, and let's, let's go, we'll turn back the clock and we'll just add the fact that, you know, Women and minorities all have the right to vote, and we didn't massacre the Indians. Let's but let's kind of let's add some more okay. things. in there. Let's talk about what would a free, what is a genuine free society look like compared to a society that we, what we have right now? What can we expect?
1: Well, the libertarian thought, the ideas of liberty rest on one simple idea, and that's that you can only get what you want, do what you want, as long as it does not hurt the person or the property of another person. That's what freedom is. So your freedom is not unlimited in the sense that you can go you know, do whatever you want with no restrictions. Your restriction is the liberty of the other individual. Your, your liberty stops at his liberty. And he, cannot, he, can, uh, he uh, is, has to follow the same principles. He can do whatever he wants as long as he doesn't harm you, or your property. That's the exact opposite of what we have today. We have today uh, people, they created a government that had a monopoly of force. And that right there, you're, you're, uh, you're, you're, you're breaking the rules because if you're, you're, you're creating an institution that has the ability to use aggressive force against another, well, you're, this is like a magnet for everybody that wants to rob, steal, kill. And that's, you know, when you look at government, that's who we have. They, they want right. wars. They want to steal. They want to. So they you know, but people have to believe that. And a lot of people, they like it. They like this political stuff. They like to fight. they like to take from others. They want to take from billionaires. They want to take from this person. So the state is their tool and votes are their way to get in control of it. And it's as anti-liberty as it gets. But, uh, you know, as I said, there's only one principle a voluntary association with people. Don't take their stuff and they can't take your stuff. You don't have a right to uh their labor or their property or or anything that is not yours. And whatever you get, you have to get it voluntarily. It's it's a big ask. It shouldn't be, it seems like most people when they hear that, says, oh yeah, how can you disagree with that? But once the uh, camera lights go on and the politician is on a screen, they're easily fooled into believing something else.
0: I love what you just said. And I, the reasons why we love to talk about liberty on our show is because I think it's crucial to evolution and to your expanding of your own consciousness because I think if you, you treat people compassionately and you don't focus on harming other people, you focus on your own development. And some of the yeah. wisest people that we've come across, like you know, Dr. Paul, I mean, he's a selfless individual. I always tell people he should be on a beach right now not worrying about anything, but every day he's mm. out there fighting. He, he he's relentless and he's doing that. Yeah. So really respect that. And one of the things that I loved every year is the Ron Paul Institute. You do the conference in D.C., which like is usually around August, and it's incredible because all these people kind of come together and everyone gets along, and it's cool because now everyone kind of like you know like you don't have to worry about being the strange one amongst your friends that's talking about this. Like everyone yeah. like understands it. But it's cool Mm -hmm. because you meet people and you want to expand it. And one of your quotes, one of your articles, quote of George Washington, it says, Liberty, when it begins to take root, is a plant of rapid growth. So for people out there that want to expand liberty, that want to really foster these ideas of liberty to get that plant to grow even faster, what are some of your recommendations?
1: Okay, well, the number one thing is to the best of your ability, you have to start with yourself. Your life is the only one that you're going to experience. I can't experience Ryan's life, he can't experience mine. We're we're what we have. So that's where we have to start. And And that's where a majority of the focus has to be. We're not here, I don't believe, to change the world. The world will go on, it went on without us, before us, and it'll go on after us. But we do have this power to change ourselves and our understanding and how to interact with people. We live in a world with other people. How, what's the best way to interact? I believe that it's the ideas of liberty that I just described uh, you know, a few minutes ago. So I, to my best ability, do that. Does that mean I'm perfect? No. Does that mean Ron Paul's perfect? I'm sure he's not, but that's the goal. That's the, what you keep in your mind that you're not looking to live at the expense of anyone else. And you, whatever happens, happens. You do the best with what you have in front of you. So, And, and then after that, I believe, you know, a person that really grasps that, it's, it's almost an irresistible urge that you want to share this with other people. But we have to share it, not like the, the social justice warriors, where they're just walking around with billy clubs, trying to force everybody to think uh, exactly the what they say. So our, our uh, means of doing this is merely speaking like we're, like we're doing now, with the intention that maybe nobody will believe this. They'll think it's nonsense. And you know what? They, they have their own free life. They could think it's nonsense all they want, and they don't have to believe a word that I'm saying right now. That's how much I respect their individuality. But libertarians can't fall into the trap of not only am I going to go tell everybody, but they have to believe and i'm not going to accept it and i'm going to and, and then you have people that are divorced and this and that over political stuff so you have to keep things in perspective of that everyone is an individual some are going to believe what you're saying and adopt it for their life others will not and that's okay the the main focus is to make yourself into something better and just the way that it works
0: more and more people will start to believe you mr chris Rossini the editor and Friday co-host of the Ron Paul Liberty Report. I want to thank you so much for being with us today. And I want to tell you guys something. If you're listening to this interview from the future, obviously you know that Chris is a prolific writer. He probably has several books out right now. And you knew that in the early days that uh, he was on our show. So it was a great honor to have you with us, Chris. Thank you so much. My pleasure. Thank you, Ryan. Okay, everyone, that concludes today's edition of the Outer of Limits of Inner Truth. Special thanks to our terrific guest, Mr. Chris Rossini. And special thanks, as always, to our virtues, Ms. Carrie O'Connor, Miss Lisa Kaza, and Miss Constance Delis. To learn more about the Outer Limits of Inner Truth, please go to our website at outoflimitsradio.com. Until the next time we meet, my friends, I wish upon you an abundance of peace love and beers. Take care. Thank you so much for listening.